0: Omega Tau, Science and Engineering in your headphones.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to a new episode of Omega Tau. So it's me again with a new episode, and this is a very special episode because it is about a book. And it's also a quite short episode. So I don't want to waste too much time with blah 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 in the beginning and Let's just start with our guest introducing himself.
0: All right. So my name is Markus Felter. I um, am normally a software engineer and in my spare time I um, run a podcast called uh, Omega Tau together with Nora Ludewig. Uh, you might have heard her before. And um, I also wrote a book recently over the last, whatever, two years about some of the topics we covered in Omega Tau. And I guess in this episode, we want to uh, <laughs> talk about the book and make sure everybody gets it. I guess that's the idea.
1: Okay. So, Marcos, why did you write this book?
0: I, I think it came out of a of me being bored. I needed a a project that 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 gave me something meaningful to do and um i had written books before in my professional life and so i had this idea of trying to write you know about some of the topics we have in omega tau and i started with the chapter on sophia um my flights with sophia a few years ago and um that chapter was easy to write because i could basically take just listen to the episode and capture in writing basically what people said and there was a lot of um also narration by myself you know because it was so much fun for me and i could talk about my experience there so this was a very easy chapter to write and that's what i started with i think uh summer 2 years ago and um i didn't have much else of a plan um,
1: so what was your intention in the beginning? I mean, I know that you, you didn't want to just more or less transcript the interviews. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more about maybe writing down stuff that don't really fit so much into a podcast and yeah. to to also go a little deeper, is that right?
0: Well, all of this was not clear at the beginning, right? I, I, at the beginning, I really thought, well, let's let's try to capture some of the contents of Omega Tau in a form that is accessible to people who don't want to listen, right? I mean, we all know that there are people who prefer reading and others prefer watching videos or actually doing stuff and some prefer listening. And I thought some of the contents we've covered in Omega Tau are are, are really, really interesting, um, and so it's it's a shame if it doesn't reach people who do not want to listen, right? So that was the mm-hmm. first idea. It was intended kind of as a marketing instrument for the podcast. Um, and at that time, I really didn't think much how, how, how much deeper I would go. And when I wrote the Sophia chapter, for example, of course, while writing it, I noticed that some of the things I thought I understood, I actually didn't. And so I started reading papers and asking additional questions to some of my guests back then. For example, uh, Oliver Zeile, the, the engineer of the telescope, he, he gave me a diagram that basically describes the control algorithm or the control loop that runs the telescope. And I included that in the, in the book and I explained that in some more detail. And so it turns out that um, in the Sophia chapter, I would say 80% of the contents are transcribed from episodes, and um, 20% are in addition. And Mm -hmm. in the second chapter about enterprise, I I dug quite a bit deeper on how multi-beam sonars actually work. Um, I think there's also the first place where we have a formula in the book, a mathematical formula. It might be later. But then in the later chapters, for example, in the one on telescopes and the one on the LHC, I used the episodes really just as almost a backbone for understanding what I need to research. And, and so I would say there, 80% of what's in the book has not been discussed in the podcast and only 20% is. So the it really reversed. And you can also see this in the length of the chapters. The Sophia and Enterprise chapters are relatively short with eleven and 13,000 words, I think. And the chapter on the LHC is, I think, fifty-four thousand words. It's almost a book in its own. So it it changed quite a bit over the course of 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 writing the book.
1: So uh, now we already know that the book is divided into chapters, and each chapter like books are (laughs) not not all of them. I think, yeah, good. Um, And each chapter is, but each chapter is based on. One or several episodes, right? So there is no chapter yeah. which has no relation at all to one or several episodes.
0: That's correct. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you should walk through the chapters briefly. So okay. Um, so again, the first one is about Sophia, and it it covers. Um, both a little bit of astronomy and how the telescope works, but it also has, you know, radio conversations, you know, flying the airplane, how does a mission work. So it has a lot of this, you know, my personal adventure kind of thing. Um, Chapter 2 then is about my stay on Enterprise it, it was another you know week long adventure for me and so it's another one of these easy to write chapters that are also very if you will easy to read because lots of it is you know and the waves were coming and the ship was moving blah 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 story kind of no um, mm-hmm. and then um the next chapter chapter 3 actually it's called chapter 4 because there was also there's also an introduction we didn't talk about but from the content perspective it's the third chapter um, it 's about aviation, um, and this was the first chapter that really got completely out of hand it 's sixty five thousand words. Um, I started out with a little bit of how gliders work um, and then I cover flight control systems of course, I cover my my trip in the f sixteen cover a bit of helicopter flying, but also um, how, for example, does the engine of the SR-71 propel the aircraft to Mach 3 in 85,000 feet? Um, it's very, it's basically a, I think the word might be tour de force through many of the aviation episodes we've had. I also mm-hmm. have a little bit of um, discussion about the 737 MAX, um, you know, flight control system problems, Um and so it's, it's a very wide-ranging chapter. And, um, but this was also relatively easy to write because aviation is really something I know a lot about. The next one is chapter 4. That's about gravitational waves. So that's, again, a chapter that's basically based on one episode about the relativity and gravitation, gravitational waves episode uh, about the GEO600 detector. I covered that detector and LIGO and also the actual observation This one was already a bit harder because I tried to understand in a bit more detail um, how the detector works. And um, I had a lot of discussions with several experts from Geo600 and LIGO, also people who were not on the podcast. Um, It's another relatively short chapter because it's based on one episode. Then there is the chapter on telescopes that also got completely out of hand. Um, So we've had lots of stuff on astronomy and telescopes over the years. And so I discussed the ELT, the uh, Effelsberg Telescope, ALMA, the LBT. I uh, included the discussion on mirror making with a shot um, that I recalled earlier or last, late last year or whenever it was. Um, of course, I described my experience um, standing in front of the two huge mirrors of the large binocular telescope at night. Um, but this one I... I put a lot of effort into actually understanding radio interferometry. I I discuss... There's actually quite a bit of math in that chapter. And I also um, really got... I mean, I was on the phone with a couple of experts for hours because this was really tough for me to understand. Obviously, I I wasn't able to, you know, first (laughs) run through a physics course in radio astronomy. So it, it was... A bit on the edge of what I was able to write about without screwing things up. Mm-hmm. Um, which also emphasizes why it was so important, and we can talk about this later, um, to get reviews from real experts because I, this would not have worked otherwise. Yeah. Um, two more. The next chapter was another, w- I needed to write that as a kind of uh, taking a break. It's about models, right? Models in Science and Engineering. If you go back through the Omega Tau back catalog, you'll, you'll see that lots of episodes are, are about models. You know, weather models, climate models, models of uh, plasma and fusion reactors, stuff like mm-hmm. that. We even had a specific episode on uh, mathematical models with the guys from the uh, Modellansatz podcast um, And so, I continue this this modeling story basically into uh, modeling languages and meta models and domain-specific languages, which is what I work on uh, in my professional life. So, it's kind of easy to to write as well. Um, And then, the last chapter is um, on the Large Hadron Collider. This is basically the, the biggest, if you will, the biggest chapter on a single topic, so I, I discussed the standard model of um, particle physics, I uh, talk about how the LHC works, how the beam is produced, how superconductivity works, how the magnets are designed. But then I cover also the discovery of the Higgs boson uh, in which I discuss how the detectors work, the various physical principles between how the various products are detected, um, but also the uh, the statistics and some of the math that goes into actually analyzing the resulting, if you will, particle shower data into something that's physically meaningful. And I conclude the chapter with um, basically a, a look at the future of um, how these um, accelerators and detectors might look like years from now. And again, there I I wrote this maybe the last six months. And um, without the help of experts, um, some of them I was in email dialogue for weeks, um, this would not have worked. It's it's a very interesting but it showed me also the limits right if i always imagine if if um science journalists write about this stuff I mean, if you if you're a particle physicist who's gone into science communication, of course you don't need the expert input. But otherwise, I cannot imagine mm-hmm. writing about such things without actually getting more or less every word uh, reviewed by by an expert because it's so easy to to get things wrong.
1: I'm I'm worried that we scared our listeners now a little bit, to be honest, mm-hmm. because it sounds really complicated. So uh, I have read the book already, and um, I think I didn't get all of it, but. Um, Still, it was nice to read. So, maybe you can now say something <laughs> to encourage the readers, or well, I mean, potential readers.
0: You see, I mean, the the, the goal of this, this book has now has nothing in it that is not in papers or on the web or in YouTube videos. Right? There's just nothing new it's not a science book
1: yeah of course you you didn't do any research for that
0: no and i didn't even combine any existing research into new there's nothing new in it right there's it's really just hopefully uh, an understandable explanation of how things work and how they fit together it's exactly like omega tau in that sense right yeah and so the goal was to explain things in a way that are understandable to um people like us, right? Who have some degree of uh, scientific uh, background or or engineering background. Interest. interest. Yeah. Like, like all all our listeners, right? Otherwise you wouldn't listen to this strange podcast. Um, But it's, the goal certainly was um, to write it in a way that's understandable. And based on the feedback I got so far, I also, um, some of our listeners and potential future readers also, also read parts of it. It, it kind of worked. So Certainly, there are parts where a paragraph or two or three are written in a way that somebody might not understand because it's written like crap or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. And there will be a version two at some point where I'll hopefully fix this. But the goal really is to to make these things understandable. And I use math only in, in a few places where it really helps uh, drive some uh, specific um, point and it's not it's not like the book is full of formulas and you have to really understand all the formulas it's not at all like this but sometimes a formula does help by the way yeah. another thing i do extensively is i have uh, illustrations right there is 150 i think uh self drawn by this uh, wonderful artist here <laughs> 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 illustrations in the book some of them maybe not so great but but this is something we can't do in the podcast and so i was trying to use this additional uh, means of communication to drive drive some of the ideas or some of the concepts.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other big advantage of a book is that you can just flip the page back and, and read again. Yeah. That's what I, I n- never do in a podcast, even if I think hmm, yeah. I didn't really get the last part, but I never re-listen to it, actually.
0: Yeah. So people were also asking, getting back to this, about um, an audiobook version of this. And uh, I tend to say no because, well, first of all, there's all the podcasts. If you want to listen, just listen to the podcast episodes. Um, but also, um, the book really, really relies in many places on the illustrations. And I know that audiobooks then usually distribute a PDF with illustrations. But I know from my own experience, I just never opened the PDF. So I, when I read, listen to the audiobook while I'm out, for example, I don't have the PDF handy. And so yeah, people yeah. just, yeah. It, I don't think it will work.
1: I think there is an even more interesting question will there be a german version
0: well so right now there is the kindle version i mean we should probably mention that we're, we're releasing this episode because the book was just published right <laughs> <laughs> since uh, april 11 there is a kindle version ebook um i was planning to do the Printed soft. So I do this uh, without a publisher, right? Because I, I wanted just to get this, I didn't want to write book proposals and crap like that. Uh, I did self publication. Um, and so my plan was to publish the ebook book uh, as, as a Kindle book and a soft cover book with a Kindle Direct Publishing Amazon. And the problem is that right now, Amazon, because of COVID 19 prioritization, cannot ship proof prints. So the, the first proof print of the book will arrive uh, end of April, on, uh, beginning of May, um, mm-hmm. according to the current schedule. And I decided not to postpone the publication of the book effectively to um, two months down the, down the road. Um, also, it's not clear to me that this delay is limited to proof Prints, right? I suspect that the on demand printing that you will use when you order a book will also be affected. And so I decided to publish the ebook first. So there is an ebook, Kindle. What does it cost? Uh, I think t- 25 euros. Okay. That's relatively expensive. Um, many ebooks are just 10 bucks. But um, I thought, and this might sound a bit strange. I've put so much work into this. I don't want to give it away. I mean, effectively. We're, we're giving away all the Omega oh Tau podcasts. And if you think the book is expensive, then <laughs> treat it as a donation to the podcast. I just I couldn't bring myself to sell it for five bucks. Um, mm-hmm. If you really can't afford it, if you really cannot afford the 25 bucks and uh, still want to read the book, send me an email. A PDF might be coming your way. Um, so we'll find ways. But I, I'm not. This might sound strange but I put so much work into this. It's worth more than 10 bucks.
1: And the printed version, what will it
0: cost? Uh, uh, 3 bucks more. It's basically the okay. same price. Um okay. the, the one of the things that that I was surprised by is um, so actually I was I was thinking of making it cheaper based on what I thought would be the so so okay. The point is not what you pay, the pain point is what arrives in my pocket, right? So, uh, but it turns out that Amazon takes away quite a bit um, from the sales price. And there are yeah, some... Amazon
1: after all. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> um, and I'm sure we're going to get feedback about better publishing uh, models. Um,
1: You'll get a question on that just in a minute.
0: Yes, I, I thought about these things, but most are... The trade-off is basically... You can sell it only through Amazon or you can sell it not at all through Amazon. And if you have to make this choice, then it's also clear, right? Um, anyway, the point is that there are some non-linearities in the pricing models. And so um, it just turned out to be like this. So yeah. So there is the ebook version, there will down the road be a soft cover print version. Um, that will have 523 pages. Uh, I know that because the PDF is, of course, already done. Um, and there will most likely not be an audiobook version. And what about the German book? Oh, the German book. Yes. So here, here's the thing. I I wrote uh, an English book uh, in my computer science life that was translated to German. Actually, no, the other way around. We wrote it in German, unfortunately. I was forced by my co-author to write it in German. Um, And it was then translated to English, and the translation is complete crap. So, um, in other words, I either would have to do the translation myself, which will not happen. I, I cannot bring myself to spend this boring work, this impossible, guaranteed won't happen. Or somebody else has to do the translation. And in that case, we need somebody who has, you know command of the German language. Um, I don't, by the way. That's why I write it in English, because if I write bad crap in English, my copy editor, Steve Rickaby, will fix it. If I write bad German, nobody will fix it. Um, So the the, the German version will happen in two... um, if two things are true. One, I find a competent in language and technical aspects translator who understands what they're translating to not so I don't have to fix every other sentence because the technical content is lost right through some creative language um, and um, it will be published by an actual publisher so this is the the thing I thought if I can find a German publisher who translates it in a meaningful way. I might perhaps write a short bonus chapter to make it worth it for them. And they publish it as a, and and they also advertise for it because finding a publisher is easy, right? A third rate publisher finding one is easy, but it doesn't help. They don't do any advertising, they don't do any, there's no point in it at all. So if you go through a publisher, you need to find one that is reasonably well known, right? And so the publisher adds to the reputation of the book. And, of course, they are hard to convince. Anyway, mm. but, but I did actually send um, uh, the, the proposal. I did write a proposal at some point and send it to a publisher. And I got the reply literally in five hours. And they said, this book has mathematical formulas in it. We cannot sell it. Goodbye. Literally. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I, gave, I just gave up. And this was a technical publisher. So um, it's not very likely that there will be a German edition
1: yeah okay so the the people waiting for a german edition should consider to buy the english edition and try to read it
0: yeah it's 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 simple English right because I can't write highly literary complicated English yeah and the technical jargon is the same in in both languages anyway yeah um yeah so but on the other hand if you want to translate it <laughs> please let me know
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so um you already said that you had some help w- uh, from a lot of technical experts yeah and you also had a copy editor right yes.
0: so Steve Rickaby, my copy editor he, he also did all the the computer science books i wrote he did my phd he did everything i ever written in english um and um funny thing is he's he's a he's an engineer he d- did uh, aviation aerospace engineering in his earlier life before he became a professional wordsmith. And so it's, he understands what he's reading, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that is very helpful. And he he's also, he adds his anecdotes and stuff. So it's a very nice experience to work with him. Um,
1: cool. And what about now, let's come back to this um, Amazon topic just quickly. Um, so I would like to stick to our good habit of not talking about politics here mm-hmm. on Omega Tau. Um, so you you already said that you chose Amazon because you didn't want to exclude Amazon completely and that would have been the other option.
0: Yeah. That there is a few let's say reputable self-publication publishers and um of course the comp- Amazon is in competition to them, right? And so um they you cannot sell some of these books on Amazon. And I I know, I mean there's this question whether that's a good idea to go with the big giant and you know who kills uh bookstores but honestly i i just i don't know i i went with the pragmatic option
1: yeah okay
0: some of our listeners might be interested in in how i did this technically
1: what do you mean the like the writing yes so what did you lo- use latex
0: no um i didn't i used um scrivener Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a Mac program that is very good um, for let's say the creative writing process. It has very good means of uh, organizing large documents um, and so this this really worked well um, okay I can really recommend this um, so
1: it didn't like screw up in in the middle of the five hundred pages no. and,
0: yeah. i I had one bug at some point in the export. Because of course, once the book is written, uh, you export it in, for example, PDF or in Word or in ebook MOBI format or whatever. Um, there was a bug at some point, and uh, I, I, I asked the support about it, and um, they said that the next version, which would come out in a week or so, would fix that bug. And in the meantime, here is a build we just created last night. It works there, right? So this was great. Mm-hmm. What Scrivener is not so – so basically what you do is you, you write in Scrivener, you you use formatting, f- uh, paragraph formats and stuff extensively, and then there is basically a compile process where you can do all kinds of mappings. You, you choose the output format, you can change the paragraph. So, for example, the printed book looks quite different in terms of um, paragraph formatting than the ebook because you make different trade-offs there. Um, and it has this very elaborate compilation process, which really isn't – Very easy to understand. It took me quite a while to to understand this. And also what it is not very good about is when it creates the the output um, PDF, for example, is to size illustrations correctly. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was actually I, I exported the Scrivener document as Word files, chapter by chapter. And then I manually adjusted the size of the illustrations there and made sure that the page breaks worked. Yeah, That was a bit unfortunate, but in the end, it was just two hours, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I created PDFs from these Word documents and, and joined them together. And for the formulas, I used stupid Microsoft Formula Editor in PowerPoint and screenshotted them as pictures. Yeah. I'm sure there was a more elegant way, but this worked. Yeah. And the illustrations, I drew them by hand on my iPad, uh, which I bought for exactly this reason, uh, in other words, I had a good excuse to buy one uh, <laughs> with the pen, and I used procreate to mm-hmm. to illustrate and this was really funny i I never ever was anything like an artist. I hated it in school i can 't draw um, I did a lot of carbon copying basically from 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 existing illustrations, so I had a reference. And this was really fun. It was almost a bit like meditation to spend three hours, like in a, in the flow, drawing these pictures. It turned out to be a lot of fun and very. It it, it was it was nice. So yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. By that. And there are some illustrations that are really simple. Like the simplest one is is one circle and two lines. <laughs> it's it illustrates uh-huh. uh, jets in a on a star. And the most complicated one is probably one of the, um, in the in telescopes chapter about the the. The optical path. Yeah, uh, yeah, all, all those stuff. mirrors and stuff. That yeah. took me like half a day to, to draw this, but yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: So um, I hope that you will not experience the thing that many authors experience. You know, they get their book and they open it on a random page and they find a typo just, you know, in the first three seconds. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think there are still probably things to be found course, in there sure. typos or stuff like that. So how should readers give feedback to you well, either on like typos or also on the content?
0: Yes. So uh, once you start asking.com, that's the name of the book. I think we never mentioned it. Uh, so for, I right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once you start, it's also obviously a link from the podcast page, right? Um, well, just ping me the usual mechanisms. There are emails, Twitter and so on. Okay. And there is also a, there is a, a box, uh, button uh, where I collect errata um funny thing is i recently i posted a, a screenshot a picture of um of the text on um the ipad um to twitter as a means of reporting progress you know hey look mm-hmm. i've done the pdf version here is uh, shown on the on the iPad, and somebody found an error right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so I have, uh, I have the first errata up uh, before the book is published.
1: So, but does it is it is it some website or something? So, if I find a typo, can I check if somebody has already reported that? Yes. Oh, okay. If
0: okay. you go to onceyoustartasking.com, dot com, there is a button bugs. Oh, okay. And but just send them the email. Send me the email and list it. I mean, yeah. So I, I don't honestly, I mean. I will probably publish a you know a version 1.1 let's say 2 months after you know or 3 months from now where I fix small issues yeah. like this. Yeah. But I don't intend to publish a major revision anytime soon. I mean that you know something I learned um while writing this book is it's not actually that easy to to find out what is true. Um, For example, there's a number I tried to figure out. And it was, I think, the number of strands in a wire in the LHC magnet. And I found vastly different numbers. From 3,000 to 10,000, I talked to different people who gave me different Mm -hmm. numbers. And so it turns out that even in reputable papers and journals and really good websites things don't agree and some of it can be explained because let's say you know one number is based on the original plan another number is based on what has actually then been built um, which is not always the same Um, sometimes it is the reference is not the same you know for example i try to figure out the total stored energy in the LHC magnet system. And some numbers are per octant. That's one of their eighths of the overall magnet. And some numbers are given per half octant. Or, you know, mm. so, so the reference is wrong or, or different. But these references aren't always explicitly stated. Sure. So, yeah. or for example, I, I found somewhere in a paper that the Atlas or it might have been CMS detector, have been designed specifically to detect the Higgs with masses between 100 GeV and 150 GeV. Talked to somebody who I'll interview for the podcast soon. He said that's not the case. So, I mean, it's, you know, we're all talking about fake news and stuff when, you know, it's obvious that some information is doctored for propaganda purposes. But even in... in, Things where there is no propaganda intent, right, and where there is no, let's say, political coloring, it is really hard to find out what is correct. Sure. Especially if you're not talking about numbers, but about, um, you know, um, judgments, like, is this a good detector?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. No, but this is… yeah.
0: My point is, as soon as I publish this book, there will be readers who say this is wrong or this is the wrong judgment or you shouldn't have asked this expert. So, it, it I already noticed this while I was writing is my point.
1: Yeah, but to be honest, I think this is, um you know, this is like one essential part of science to, you know to find out like how many the number of, of strands there or whatever um, a good scientist knows that he will not just take the like first number he gets and say okay this is the truth but maybe ask somebody else or go there and count or you know what i mean so <laughs> this is science itself i think it's it's the same thing that you don't don't really check you know if you want to have some some number you don't go on the internet and just google it and take the first number you get there if you really want to make sure it's true you have to get other sources
0: exactly and that's not just true for the scientist that's also true for the journalist in, in, in my yeah range, yeah, yeah. Right? of course yes, yes but but the question is when do you stop yeah and this is really yeah, tough yeah. and i i'm i'm sure in some in some cases i stopped too early and i wrote something that's wrong um in other cases i probably you know dug deep enough and I got it right. Yeah, um, yeah but this
1: means that you, that you will really uh, get interesting discussions, I think, based on the book. I hope so, so. And yeah. I really mean interesting, and you know, not, not annoying, but really yeah. interesting feedback yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also think, by the way, this is the difference between a science journalist – and what we are doing, right? And I mentioned this often. Um, I'm not an expert in, let's say, particle physics myself. So I cannot judge things, mm-hmm. really. Yep. I, can, I can quote other people judging things. Um, and I can, you know, I can hopefully try to judge their reputation in the community so I don't cite the judgment of somebody who is Obviously an idiot, right? (laughs) Um, But there is a difference between what we do, which is telling stories about science and explaining things while relying on other people's correct description of stuff versus a science journalist who has all the technical background about a very narrow subject and then is able to judge for themselves and say well I talked to this expert uh, and he told me this and that but I know because I talked about exactly this topic for the last 10 years with 500 other experts that he is not yeah, right. Yeah, right. This is not something I can do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we are doing interviews and not you know like reports. Um, but you podcasts. see this is
0: interesting in this book because this book is not an interview. I'm 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 speaking in my own voice yeah. I'm explaining yeah. these things so it is, So this taught me first of all that when I try to explain these things in my own words I didn't uh, there were lots of things I thought I did understand from the podcast but I actually didn't mm. so I had to do some more research and also because I'm talking in my own voice I, it's it's more important that I understand it myself I can't just say well I just interviewed this yeah, guy and he right. said X yeah. now I said it yeah. right It's it was interesting in that sense as well
1: so, now that you're a real author, will you go on a, like, reading tour?
0: Uh, <laughs> honestly, I mean, ignoring all the COVID problems, right? So, um, obviously, I can't go on any tour. Um, mm-hmm. We could do a virtual reading tour. Yeah,
1: online reading
0: <laughs> tour. That's actually a funny idea. <laughs> um
1: so we can discuss that offline.
0: Yes. I mean, people might have heard about, um, we just uh, created this uh, Slack community yeah, um, where the idea is to have regular virtual listener meetups because we can't do them physically. And we have done a couple of them. And we have organized them around topics. For example, in the last one, uh, Mark sarich I hope that's the right way to pronounce his last name, Sarich or Sarik, I don't know. Um, sorry. Um, he explained how PCR works, the polymerase uh, chain reaction. Um, and so we, we have another set of uh, topics lined up where one of you uh, explains a bit about their own background and uh, the others join by Google Hangout or Jitsi Meet or something. Um, And maybe it would be funny to have one of these as a little virtual reading event uh, by the now uh, famous (laughs) science author. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. So
1: let's consider that. So is there anything, any question I forgot?
0: Well, like always, um, we uh, planned what we would be talking about. We have this little outline because we were so not. You're
1: the guest, Markus. Is that yes
0: chicken? sure but, but you as the as the as the <laughs> podcast host sent me this outline ah. like always right
1: yeah Ah, okay
0: and mm-hmm. i think we covered all in that uh, maybe just to re-emphasize and i do that in the book i have a, i i obviously thank everybody who contributed and it's it's maybe 150 names of people so um i got a lot of help um from listeners from former guests from outside experts I asked about. um, And I will contact all of you to thank you again and um, somehow give you access to a copy of the book somehow in some form.
1: Send chocolate, please. Uh,
0: Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, um, thank you for spending the time to be our guest. (laughs) Yes, you're welcome. Uh, It was a very interesting interview and for... Readers, sorry, for listeners who want to know more, we will put the link to the book in the show notes. And that's it, I guess.
0: That's it. Well, that's not quite it, Uh, Marcus. here. I'm um, recording this a few days later. I record this actually on the day of the release on uh, April 11. There's two things I want to add to what we have said so far. One, there is now also a... Plain PDF available, sold via Gumroad. That's a uh, non corporate, I would say, hopefully, uh, <laughs> sales platform for creators. Um, so you can get a plain PDF there. You don't need any specific ebook reader. You can read it, of course, with your, you know, iPad or whatever. Um, so that's available. It's available now. And, um, I have also submitted it to iBooks and it will be published on April 20. iBooks is the Apple platform. So there will be an EPUB ebook on, um, April 20. I will probably also put the EPUB on, uh, Gumroad. So check out once you start asking.com for the various versions. And of course the soft cover is still, uh, planned, uh, the updated uh, proof um, date when I'll receive it is, um, I think right now it's April 17. So maybe early May there will be the soft cover version. We'll see. The other thing I wanted to say, which we completely forgot about in this conversation with Nora, is that she actually wrote the foreword. I asked her to do it because uh, obviously this book is an outgrowth of the podcast and the podcast wouldn't exist without her. And so I asked her whether she would write the uh, foreword. I actually didn't really expect that she'd say yes, but she did say yes. And I think she wrote a very nice one. And so thank you, Nora, for, for the foreword and uh, for uh, 10, almost 11 years of, of podcasting. All right. So um, back to the last three words of the original recording. Okay.
1: Thank you, thank Nora. You. Bye.
0: Ciao. Hello, Markus here for Omega Tau. Omega Tau is an independent and non-commercial podcast produced by Nora Ludewig and me, Markus Fötter. We are on the web at omegataupodcast.net. You can also find us on Facebook, Google Plus and Twitter under the handle omegataupodcast. We love to hear from you through a comment on the website, a post via our social network channels or via an email at feedback at omegataupodcast.net. We also always appreciate recommendations of Omega Tau to your friends directly or through social media. Omega Tau is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial Non Derivative License 3.0. This means that you can freely share the content, but you cannot use it for commercial purposes and you cannot distribute derivative works. You always have to attribute the source, OmegaTauPodcast.net. Any quotations or citations of our work are perfectly fine, of course. For more details on the license, see creativecommons.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast and talk to you next time.